to the State of Recruiting, a weekly recruiting podcast brought to you by Orange 24-7. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris, and uh, we're back to uh, bring you another round of Texas recruiting talk. It is, uh, as we're recording this, it is very late on draft night, round one, uh, first round of the draft. We're going to get into that. we got a couple of great interviews for you, but before we do all that, Nick, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good, and uh, you know I must say, Mike, this quarantine—I'm uh, growing a pretty nice beard. I don't think it's going to rival yours anytime soon, but give it a couple years, and we might have a competition going. Oh, Nick, I got a straightener for my beard, so <laughs> I can straighten it, and it adds about two inches in length to it. Um, and it's uh, so. If anybody wants to see that, I'm probably going to do my po- uh, periscope again. Tomorrow, as I say this later today, as you hear it, and uh, I'm going to straighten it out before then, and you'll see how wicked it is. But Nick, I love to hear that. Um, otherwise, other than that, er- everything else going good for you? Oh yeah, absolutely, can't complain. Well, like I mentioned, it is NFL Draft Day. Um, normally, one of my favorite times of the year, anyways, and you know now even more when we're starving for something. Uh, you know. Absolutely, one of my favorite things. I was really, uh, first of all, I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but I was really like dubious of how they were going to pull this off. Um, I, at first, I didn't like really understand like what's the point of like uh, testing zooms and all that kind of stuff because, um, like, I mean, anyways, you don't you don't ever really hear from the GMs and coaches, but I kind of see what they're going for now. I thought, to the best of their ability, they pulled it off, and, and it was kind of seamless. Uh, other than the annoying Roger Goodell doing bits with the fans every time he did a pick, I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, I think it's right on brand to have Roger Goodell kind of screw up something with the draft, so I kind of liked that part of it. I felt like it added a bit of a... You know, it felt like home a little bit, <laughs> but uh, the the broadcast was mostly seamless. I, I loved it. Yeah, I was kind of worried at the beginning when Trey Wingo was like, I, you know, I apologize if we have any technical difficulties tonight. We're going to try to get through it just like y'all are. And I was like, ooh, this might be pretty bad. And, you know, it actually ended up being a fantastic uh, production. ESPN did a fantastic job. I don't watch ESPN much. When did Trey Wingo get that old? Right? I, I noticed that today, too. I was like, man, Trey looks unrecognizable. <laughs> He's really aged badly. I, like I said, I, I normally don't watch ESPN. Um, my good friend Ben Baby, who works for the uh, for ESPN as the Cincinnati Bengals reporter, I thought there was a chance he might make it on TV, so I left it on their broadcast tonight just so I could see him and support him, but um, he wasn't. So I, I think maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll flip back and forth, and usually I spend more time on the NFL Network. Although I did notice, when did ESPN get Daniel Jeremiah working for them? Uh, I thought he was an NFL Network guy, so maybe I'm just not. So they had three. They had three of the NFL Network anal- uh, analysts on the ESPN broadcast tonight. I think they were doing kind of a joint uh, thing. Uh, since okay. It's, you know, yeah, different. I, I don't know. I'll have to check on the NFL Network broadcast tomorrow and see how. Yeah, I need to, to tune into that. That's uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Texas did not have a guy selected, and I, I wrote an article today, uh, basically about ten of the draft prospects that. Could have been Longhorns, but because their their recruitments were fumbled or not even started, were and you know a couple of those guys um, went tonight, including Ceedee Lamb. Um, and I always laugh at the Ceedee Lamb recruitment. Ceedee Lamb was begging to be a Longhorn. He came to three straight, um, what are now called 
uh, Stars at Night, but used to be called Under the Lights Camps in the summer. And I always tell the story that CeeDee Lamb was a camp legend. Every time I would talk to defensive backs coming out of those camps, I would say, hey, who, who was the toughest guy there? Who'd you have to cover? And all three years, the answer was CeeDee Lamb was the toughest dude there. Like, he was the hardest guy to cover. And begged for a Texas offer. At one point, came to a satellite camp um, with the understanding that if he just showed up, he'd pick up an offer. And Charlie Strong and his staff basically ignored him. Um, he then goes on to Oklahoma and has the career he does. It's just uh, insane to see. Um, you know, other guys in that in that first round, uh, Jeff Gladney was was one of them. Jalen Rager was a guy that they got in way too late on. But man, C.D. Lamb really, really hurts when you're looking at it from that perspective. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, did Herman come in late on C.D. Lamb's recruitment and try to shut it down and try to get Texas back in the picture, or did he come in a year no, that after? See, that was the year Herman was hired, and Herman basically got got, got to right, Austin, okay. looked at the board, and goes, why hasn't anyone offered C.D. Lamb? And, and offered him immediately. <laughs> um, offered him and Charleston Rambo, who both ended up at Oklahoma, immediately. There were actually whispers in that, because I was close with a couple of the defensive backs in that draft that knew CD real well. And they were trying to like Omar Manning from Lancaster was almost flipped to Texas. And then they kind of screwed that one up at the last minute. But um, CD lamb, I kept hearing a lot of rumors was, was ready to flip. In fact, I think if you go to CD lamb's profile right now, like his recruiting profile, there's one crystal ball for Texas and it's a flip pick I put in because I had heard, heard something <laughs> on it, but he never flipped. And, course became a really big thorn in the side for texas but man um you know it it it, guys like jeff gladney really nobody recruited that's just a great find by tcu but man when you look at cd lamb and and people who knew what he was in high school and think about the fact that people you know in state just kind of let him walk it's really insane to look at and you know congratulations to those guys i think you know that like if you look at Jeff Okuda and Caleb Von Chason, those were just losses. Those were Texas threw their hat in the ring, they went head to head, and they lost. And that's fine. There's nothing, not much you can do about that. But when you don't even play the game, it's it's really hard to justify. Yeah, and there were some of those um, lower tier recruits that we saw go in the first round tonight. We saw that last year with a few Texas high school football guys like uh, L.J. Collier, who was another TCU kid who was drafted in the first round last year to Seattle. Um, so there's a few every year. Um, I think Jeff Gladney was in the 1100 to 1200 range, uh, ranked nationally in the uh, 24-7 sports composite. So uh, TCU definitely developed him well, found a, a pretty good stud there in New Boston and brought him out, and he's first-round draft. That's a big reason why I always say if TCU offers a defensive back, I perk up because uh, they, they seem to know what they're doing when they when they look at him. Um, aside yeah. from that, I do want to shout out for you and I who both are, um, you know, we cover Texas. Texas are beat uh, the school. But Texas high school football is our love. And uh, to see, first of all, just to see kids that you knew back in high school get to realize their dream and go pro. Like, I, it's been, and Nick, you're newer to the business, so it'll like, it's still a few years away for you, but it's just kind of getting into my sweet spot now to where like I knew Jeff Okuda pretty well. Uh, you know, like since his sophomore year of high school. Um, and, and I think this is probably the last year where the kids who are being drafted aren't kids that I was covering full time. Like I was there's a couple kids in this draft I was unfamiliar with. Like I, I didn't know much about Jordan Brooks when he came out of high school, thought he had a good career at Tech. Never saw Gladney in person, but I knew Jeff Okuda since his sophomore year, knew him really well. And, and to see that kid, you know, go from where he's gone at South Grand Prairie to, to where he is now, Ohio State, 
getting down the number three overall pick. Like it's it, it's really cool. It's a really cool byproduct of the job. And you know, we have so many stupid media arguments in the state and in this business. And I think what's cool about draft night is we all get together, everybody who covered these guys, and we all kind of cheer collectively for them. And Texas had the most tonight with seven, and uh, that's something we can definitely celebrate. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to get in that sweet spot that uh, you talked about. I kind of got a taste of it last year, my freshman year of high school. I went to Allen, and it was Kyler Murray's senior year. Uh, so just kind of seeing how far he had come, even since you know his big senior year, where he was already a celebrity around the world, it seemed like. Um, and then getting drafted first overall last year, that was kind of cool to see. But you know, I'm excited to see the guys that I saw in the 2020 class, like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Demond Demas, and those kind of guys uh, who uh, you know are figurative first round locks. You know see them get taken in the NFL draft so that, I'm really excited for that and yeah and I definitely love if you if you go on Texas high school football media Twitter today there was a there was a lot of love getting thrown out for sure yeah it's a big time for us digging up old tweets and uh, I didn't have didn't get to do as many as I, I guess I wasn't as active on Twitter back then I if I could go find old articles I wrote about Kenneth Murray I was effusive in my praise for Kenneth Murray but I went back and looked at my tweets about him and either I just tagged him differently than I was remembering to search or um, you know, most of my tweets that I found on the search were like just offer tweets of his uh, or, or tweeting out his film. But I really like Kenneth Murray. He was another dude in high school that just you, you talk about the film was there. The production was there. I remember he tested really well and his character and intelligence was was through the roof. Just a, a wonderful kid to deal with. And that's what's cool, Nick, is when you not only get to like the dudes that you saw as seniors, like I, I know, you know, Jackson, because you, you know, you were doing Rockwell student media stuff, but like. When you're on a regular basis, like, ah, I knew this kid when he was a sophomore. That's when it gets really cool because you feel like you watched him grow up as football players, um, you know, sophomore year through through college. And, and Jeff was kind of – Jeff's kind of the first one um, that I was like, yeah, I knew that dude as a sophomore. So uh, next year I feel like is going to be really right in the sweet spot for me. And um, I just think it, it, it speaks great things for, for Texas high school football, uh, regardless of what it says that Texas or Texas A&M wasn't included in any of those first-round picks, which is you know is an indictment on both of those programs. I think it's, uh, it's great for the players and coaches uh, and the media that, that cover the state. Yeah, absolutely. I'll debate with anybody in the world by saying uh, Texas high school football puts out the best products. You know, they might not put out the most. Uh, I think California and Florida have more active players in the NFL right now. Um, but if you look at the past 10 to 15 years, uh, there are some dudes that have come out of Texas. Uh, I, I think probably a third of the league has starting quarterbacks from Texas. Um, you look in uh, even in the secondary, I think secondary is a really strong um position group for the state of texas and you know products that come out of texas high school football and we saw that this year too with a couple of more uh defensive backs getting chosen in the first round and i'm just excited to see throughout the weekend how many guys get picked and uh you know the the nobody schools like new boston that gets some uh, uh national attention how about linebacker we talk about how bad linebacker is in the state there was two first round picks that were texas high school linebackers tonight with brooks and kenneth murray so um yeah and big 12 too so uh big 12 actually can't be embarrassed about I mean, SEC, again, ran off with the lead in first-round picks. It's what they do. But, you know, usually Big 12 is, is way down the list, and I, I don't think Big 12 has anything to be embarrassed about tonight. They were tied for second with, with five picks in the first round. The other thing we learned, Nick, is that stars do matter. Um, every year we hear the argument stars don't matter. And, it, and in a way, I would tell any kid, um, I would tell any kid, you know, 
don't let the stars define you. You do you do your own thing and 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 you be you and and this isn't going to define you. But when when people say just all out of hand stars don't matter, um, you know, I think that you do have to look at the NFL draft as the ultimate report card. And um, I, I looked at it tonight. Uh, these numbers were compiled by Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports. But according to the composite rankings, we had six five-stars, uh, 15 four-stars, and 11 three-stars. Uh, usually in a recruiting year, four- and five-star prospects count for about 10 to 15% of the total recruits in each cycle, and they count for 65.6% uh, of first-rounders tonight. So, uh, yeah, by a big chunk, stars really do matter. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you do have the guys like Jeff Gladney and Jordan Brooks, if we're looking in-state, you know, that were uh, low-tier three-star guys that got a uh that got picked here in the first round tonight. Uh, you could look at those guys and maybe point to the stars don't matter argument, but you can also point to guys like Jeffrey Akuda, who were uh, five stars without a doubt. Uh, to attack of Iloa, uh, I think we all knew him coming out of Hawaii his senior year in high school. We knew that he would be in this position uh, to be drafted top ten overall. And super excited to get another lefty quarterback back in the league too. It feels weird that we haven't had one in a couple years. Um, but it, looking at the five star guys that got chosen tonight, I think that uh, our rankings expert guys at twenty four seven Sports did a great job in this uh these two classes that got drafted tonight um and uh you know because the five stars are supposed to be projected as first overall or first round overall picks and uh we were able to see six of those guys get taken off the board speaking of guys that we may see in future drafts we got a loaded show interview wise tonight and we're going to start with a four-star athlete a guy who is certainly in range to be a five-star by the end of this recruiting cycle it is texas commit billy bowman joining us all right and now joining me on the state of recruiting is is a Texas commit and a top athlete in the country. It is Denton Ryan's Billy Bowman. Uh, Billy, thanks for joining me today. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, how's quarantine going for you? Uh, anything interesting you're, you're doing? Any new TV shows or uh, movies or video games or, or you're playing? Uh, not really. I mean, me and my dad, we got out our old PlayStation 2 and been playing some old college football on that. I mean, today... Uh, me and my dad, we went and got uh, my sister a basketball goal and put it back up, put it up for her to shoot on and stuff. You've been hooping, playing a little NCAA. I've been playing some NCAA myself. I get it. Um, I want to get right to this because this was like the funniest part of, I believe, my week last week and probably your week. Did you ever think that changing the header on your Twitter could cause so much stir? No, I did not. <laughs> I, I actually didn't, didn't even mean to do that. I just totally forgot. But. I never knew it could question like that. Yeah, it's uh, like I told you, it's the, my least favorite part of my job is having to follow up on, on things like that. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're high profile now, so it causes a stir. I haven't really got to talk to you since, um, man, I can't actually remember the last time you and I talked. Um, I mean, maybe briefly at State, but, uh, you know, what has been your experience with this new Texas staff and how have you liked getting to know uh, Chris Ash uh, so far? Uh, the relationship is doing very well. I would say it's going more, better than the last coaching staff was. But, I mean, it's just I really like these new coaches. Coach Ash, Coach uh, – I've been talking to Coach Jay, the corners coach, uh, Coach Yerchis, offensive coordinator, and Coach Coleman, receivers coach. So I've been talking to both sides of the ball. But it definitely seems like they want to turn this program back around to what it used to be. 
that makes it seem like both sides, there's going to be a fight to get Billy Bowman on one side of the ball uh, when you make it to campus. You and I have talked about this, but is there either or position you prefer, or a receiver or DB? Mm, as of right now, no. I, I just want to be able to showcase all my skills and my talents wherever I play. Whatever gets you on the field, I understand that. Um, you know, what it, you, you mentioned that you, you've kind of liked this, uh, this staff the relationship's better with this staff than it was with the previous staff. What what do you attribute that to? What's been the biggest difference with this staff? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the quarantine, but I've just been in touch way more with them. I mean, I've got on a Zoom call with Coach Ash. And it's just it's it's just more uh, connections. We've just been talking more. Um, as far as the uh, as far as the Zoom calls, I know they've been doing a lot of film and stuff on those. Um, kind of showing where you would fit. If you were to play DB, you know, how do you feel you would fit into into Coach Ash's vision for what you would do, and, and what are some of the things that that they would be looking for from you? Uh, I feel like I could fit really well. I mean, they run uh, the defense that he was showing me that day uh, is something similar to what we run at my high school. So uh, I definitely feel like I could fit in that because I'm, I already have some. Uh, I already have some experience with running that type of defense. But uh, free safety was what he was looking at me as. Okay. Um, I've, t- I've talked to a couple commits over the last couple weeks. We had Hayden, uh, Derek, Derek Harris on, Jayla, and all those guys. Um, I'll ask you the same question. Um, you know, how A, how is that, that group of commits coming together? How are you guys bonding? And B, um, any guys in particular that you've been talking to about maybe joining you at Texas? Uh, I mean, the guys that are committed already. I mean, we we stay in touch. Uh, we stay in touch a good. We've been in touch a good while, but um, I don't know. I've been planning on getting one of my friends that plays at Denton Guy, uh, Deuce Harmon. So I've been on him a little bit. I've been on uh, Isaiah uh, mm-hmm. from Skyline Dallas Skyline, played with Quay. So uh, I've just been on a couple guys in the area, you know, but uh, I definitely plan on reaching out to some more dudes. Uh, I talked to Teddy Knox, the receiver from the Woodlands the other day, who said you've also been talking to him a little bit. You said what? I said I talked to Teddy Knox the other day from the Woodlands, the receiver. He said you've been talking to – you and Jalen have been talking to him a little bit. He kind of knew you all from some camps or something. Yeah, yeah, I know Teddy. Um, Yeah. Uh, I know he didn't get to finish last season how he wanted to, but uh, we'll see what he can do next season. Speaking of not getting to finish like you wanted to, I thought this was going to be the last year was going to be the year for Ryan to to kind of get over that hump. You guys fell a little bit short in that title game against uh, Shadow Creek. You know what's been? I know you guys have been on quarantine, so you haven't been able to do as much team stuff with your high school team but what's been the attitude as far as coming off of that game building back to what you were and, and you know what do you think the chances are that that you're back at at and next year 100 percent, we'll be back but uh we've been every other day we've been getting on a, a video call with my uh, defensive coordinator and we've been running over some stuff on defense and some film and stuff like that been so we've been still in touch to just trying to hold everybody accountable of getting their own work in. You got a, you were on the, uh, you guys were, well, your return team was on ESPN for that, that uh, awesome return you guys ran at the beginning of the state title game. Um, 
was that th- like a call before the game? Like, hey, we're going to run this. It's going to work. Uh, and we know it's going to work. Was it basically that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, we started we started practicing it like after the second round of playoffs. So we were just saving it, and then we used it in the state game. All right. Um, as far as uh, yeah, I know you've talked to Coach Ash, Coach Yersich, um have you been able to – have you been interacting at all? I know Brian Carrington's been playing some video games with a couple of recruits. First of all, have you played him in any video games and handed out any uh, any L's to him? No, no, yeah. I think uh, he has Xbox One or something. But if I played him, I'd definitely be. <laughs> what is uh, – I know you said you've been playing PlayStation 2, old NCAA. What's your uh, – I'm guessing – are you an Xbox or PlayStation 4 guy? PlayStation. What uh? What's the game of choice for you? Are you a Madden guy, or a two K guy, or Call of Duty? Madden. Madden really. That's Madden's really the only game I play. I mean, I play two K once in a while, but I'd be on Madden. Um, what? Who's your team on Madden? If you were to pick, um, to be honest, I play with a lot of different teams. I play. I don't play with like the best teams. That like lately, I've been playing with the Jets. So oh. I mean. You certainly like, don't play with the best teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. I play. I like. I like certain. I'm because I'm not a team person. Yeah. In the NFL, I'm a players fan. So I like. I like Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. So I play with. I play with. I like playing with certain guys. See, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I got to get you playing with the Bills sometime. <laughs> I think I have before. You play with Trey Davis White, man. He's the best corner in the in the league. Um, <laughs> so basically, you've been committed to Texas for. Uh, I guess half a year, almost a year. Um, how many schools are still trying to, to be in contact with you right now? And, and what what is your response to them when they reach out? Uh, well, I'm obviously solid with Texas. I don't plan on going nowhere. Um, but you never know what can change in this next year or so. But um, the schools that have been in touch with me most are probably Georgia, who just recently offered me. Uh, Penn State has been contacting me some in USC. So that's that's probably three schools that have been contacting me. Nobody really else. I know Coach Coach Niver and Coach Orlando now over at USC, so that makes sense on the offer there. Um, you know, what have you had a lot of contact with them since they offered? Uh, no, I probably talked to Coach Orlando twice. I haven't I haven't really talked to none of their staff since we've been in quarantine, really. Um, you said you were playing some basketball, some things like that. Have you been able to get get your workouts in um, during this whole thing? You got weights at home or using body weight or, or how are you doing it? Yes, sir. Uh, me and my dad every morning. Uh, we, he has some old weights that he used to use uh, back in his day. So we have those in the garage. We get our workout in in the morning. We go to the field in my neighborhood, has a hill. Uh, we get some work in over there, some receiver work, DB work, and then conditioning. Awesome. Um, how's how's school going? Like, what's school like during this whole thing? I, are you? I know you guys are pretty much doing it over Zoom. Is it is it a full eight to three type of day? It can't be because we're recording at two p.m. But um, you know, how's that kind of shaking out? Uh, well, my school is kind of different. So, like, uh, my teachers they will uh, some of my teachers will send out work on Tuesday, and some of my teachers will send out work on Thursday. So like we have a we have until those next the next Tuesday or the next Thursday to complete the work that they give us, so we can do them whenever we want throughout the week. So it's good. So yeah. yeah. So you basically, if you wanted to work really hard, you could wipe out all your work in one day and then just pretty much chill the rest of the week. 
Right, like the the work that my teacher sent me today, I I finished that work, and so now I'm just waiting until my other teachers send me work on Thursday. Okay, all right. I thought it was. I didn't know if it was like a. I hadn't talked to anybody about how they were doing it, so I didn't know if it was like every day you wake up and you're in like four different Zoom classes or anything like that. Or I do know that some schools do that though, but my school doesn't. My school is very relaxed on it. I know you had to miss out on, on track this year. Um, you're one of the best athletes in the state of Texas as, as when it comes to verified track times. Um, you know, what do you think? I can't what, – what were you last year in the 100? 10-8? 10-8. So 10, what do you think? Uh, yeah, those, those times. If you had to guess, what do you think you'd have put down this spring? Mm, I would have put down an official 10-5. Because last year I ran an unofficial ten five. It was uh, it wasn't win legal. Okay, but you're running ten fives. That's fine, Billy. I got one more question for you before we get out of here. I came to see you guys in the last game of the season last year, the last game of your regular season against Grapevine. I think you guys had played nine games up until that point, and you basically had a punt return for a touchdown just about every week. I figured by the time I got there in the tenth week, they would stop punting to you. Why do they? Keep, why do teams keep punting to you? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they feel like they have a chance, but I don't see why they could think that. <laughs> hey, as long as they keep doing it, man, you can just keep getting highlight reels for the film. So just, just hope right. they keep doing it. All right, Billy, right. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, man. Um, thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, talking to the Texas fans here. Uh, and you know, stay safe, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to get out and and do some ball this fall. Yes, sir. Sure. All right. And that was our conversation with Billy Bowman. We thank him for uh, for joining us here on the state of recruiting. Uh, all right, Nick. It is uh, maybe the last week I'm going to give you a basketball segment because I don't know if there's going to be any more basketball news after this. But we talked last week about uh, Greg Brown, the emergence of the G League in, in basketball recruiting. Uh, Greg Brown set to make his decision today. As you guys listen to this, Nick, uh, where do, what's the latest? Where do things stand? Yeah, hopefully this is the last week we're talking about Texas basketball recruiting. Hopefully the 2020 class will get wrapped up today with the commitment of five-star uh, Greg Brown. Uh, the latest I've heard on it is that Texas has a huge lead right now when we're talking about his college options. Um, Michigan is right there as well. Auburn is a number two, I believe. Uh, you know, I, I give Auburn probably you know a seven to ten percent chance of maybe landing a surprise commitment here, and you know Brown kind of shocking the whole world. Uh, Michigan, I would put it probably one to three percent chance, but the G League, I give a pretty solid chance as well um chip brown from horns 24 7 he was able to confirm yesterday from a source that he was offered three hundred thousand dollars for one year in the g league development program um and you know there's pros and cons that come with the g league uh the pros are obvious he gets his money right away uh, he gets a head start on endorsement deals and he'll be able to learn from some of the best coaches in the world in the nba g league development program and also with uh the whole COVID 19 crisis going on he'll be able to he'll be able to have guaranteed development next year you you know, if they want, if they aren't able to play G League games, he'll still be able to um, be developed in their Los Angeles facility and still learn from some of the best coaches. And that isn't necessarily something that college basketball can guarantee for him right now. Uh, so that's something I'm sure that is in the back of his mind. And I know it's been mentioned by the uh, Brown family in past weeks. 
Um, and there are a couple cons as well. Uh, I think he, personally he can make more money by uh, taking the college basketball route uh, and waiting for a huge endorsement deal uh, during his rookie year two years from now. Uh, we kind of saw that with Zion Williamson a couple years ago, and uh, he's been able to turn his um, his profits into a much larger number here in his rookie year. Uh, and I think it's a very similar situation we see here with Greg Brown. It's just, uh, you know, where does he s- see his game and does he see it developing uh, on that kind of scale uh, during one year at Texas? And, you know, personally, I think he can make it happen. You know, Texas is a re- returning a really experienced team. And, you know, whatever you like to say about Shaka Smart, he's an experienced coach uh, with those players as well. I think Greg Brown makes a difference between a tournament appearance and a Sweet 16 appearance. I've said that before, and I, you know, I'm going to stick to that. And if uh, if he leads a Texas team to a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, we could definitely see him as a top five lottery pick in the 2021 NBA draft and, uh, you know, see his stock rise big time. Um, but yeah, today's the day and uh, it feels like we've been looking forward to this for a couple of months now. And, um, you know, hopefully he locks it down and commits to Texas. You've been dealing with um, sources on that side. You mentioned Chips pitched in. Evan Daniels, our, our fantastic national basketball reporter, uh, is also. Um, so your feeling on this is Texas? Yeah, yeah. My pick is Texas right now. I'm keeping my crystal ball there up until uh, the decision, unless we hear something crazy in the morning, which I don't expect. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll stay home. And tell us again, they're doing this on YouTube, or, or how, how's it going down? So he's, it's gonna, he's gonna announce on his YouTube channel, uh, Hedgehog Fam TV, and then it's also gonna be on his Instagram live at greg.brown03. Um, so you'll be able to watch in either of those two spots. And he did mention today on his Instagram that ESPN is getting involved too. So he might actually have this live streamed on ESPN at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Um, well, I'll be sure to update, on that, update that on my Twitter tomorrow if I can get confirmation of that. Okay, so that'll be actually, as you guys are listening to this today uh, at 2 p.m., so make sure to swing by 24-7. Uh, Nick's going to have you covered. Evan will have you covered if, if there's anything there. Um, basically, the place to be is with 24-7. We'll have it pretty much done from all angles. And, Nick, you've done a – you know my disdain for basketball, and you've done a great job on this. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hoping to, hoping to keep it going to a big 2021 cycle. Yeah, 2021, you're going to be able to really dive in. And uh, who knows, if we run out of things to talk about, we can at least get into the the last dance at some point. Because despite my hate for basketball, my love for Michael Jordan knows no no bounds. So um, (laughs) we might have to do that in in a couple weeks here once this thing's done. Um, All right, let's let's move on to our second interview. So I mentioned uh, big-time draft prospects. We got uh, nine combined stars coming on this next interview. Uh, I was able to sit down earlier this week with James and Tommy Brockermeyer. Um, and here is an interview with them. All right, and uh, joining us this week on the State of Recruiting podcast, uh, two of the most well-known brothers, I would guess, in the country. It is Tommy and James Brockermeyer uh, from Fort Worth All Saints Episcopal. Uh, guys, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing good. Um, all right, I'll start with uh, – I'm going to try to just – I've never – I haven't done like two guys at once at the same time on, on an interview, so I'm going to try to just call out your name and, and ask a question. That way you guys don't feel like you're talking over each other. Uh, James, uh, I know that your dad has been uh, has been really excited about the way that he's been able to, to be involved with you guys working out and, uh, and things like that during this whole thing. Um, just tell me about some of the things y'all are doing during the quarantine to uh, stay sharp. Yeah, I mean, we do. We we've been lifting. We've been in our line drills and stuff. Stuff to stay sharp on that. And then we, uh, our dad got this handle welded that he puts on the back of his trailer hitch. We've been pushing his truck. So yeah, you're a little bit of everything. 
Uh, Tommy, what kind of um, are you getting to work with your dad? Obviously, you know, everybody likes to I – mean, we all grew up playing catch with our dad and things like that, but your dad's a former NFL offensive lineman. It hits a little differently, I would assume. Um, you know, not only from the, from the technique standpoint you're getting, but how special is it just to have this time with your dad to kind of, to kind of work out and grow close? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super special because when I got to high school, that's kind of when my dad, like, left All Saints to go, uh, like, coaching college and stuff. So now that I get this time to uh, for him to teach me all his former skills and stuff, like, it's just – I mean, it's such a blessing because, like, he knows the game so well and stuff, so. Uh, Tommy, I, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to check in. How's uh, – I know about a year ago you got you got injured and, and everything, and you've been uh, coming back from that. How's, how's the injury coming along? It's good. I mean, I, I, I don't really feel pain at all anymore. So, I mean, rehab went well, and I'm – I mean, I'm 100% now, so – I mean, things are going well. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, you guys had a busy visit schedule set up for uh, just about this time going into summer. Obviously, those things have changed. Uh, James, how has that kind of changed the, the timeline of, of y'all's recruitment? Yeah, I mean, our Alabama and LSU visits are, you know, obviously going to get pushed back. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we would like to, you know, get – you know, maybe our last look at all these schools before we, you know, make a decision. So, I mean, I can see it maybe pushing things back. But, I mean, I mean, we've seen all those schools before also at the same time. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I know, it, Tommy, at some point you guys were talking about maybe deciding during the summer. Um, is there a chance this thing gets pushed back into the fall? Or are you still on target for the summer? Or what do we think right now? I mean – I mean, I, I mean, no, I mean, no one thought this was going to happen. So, like, I, I, I was planning on coming on the summer, and then all this stuff happened. So, I'm guessing it's going to be a little. I mean, if it, if I, if we commit in the summer, it's probably going to be later in the summer. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's either going to be that or probably in the fall or something. You guys have been. Uh, I would assume your brother Luke, who, who plays for Texas, is, has been home and, and working out with you guys as well. Um, what's it like to have him home, uh, James, and, and be able to work with him? Yeah, I mean it's really cool. You know, I mean, all, both of our brothers are back, so uh, it's the first time in like four years everyone's been home. So <laughs> it's pretty, been pretty, pretty crazy around here. But uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, he's definitely coming back with a lot of you know knowledge that you know he's gained at Texas. You know, just kind of tips and tricks here and there i'm sure mom's happy to have all the all the boys home uh tommy what um you know what schools are, are i assume you know most of the same schools are, are pretty much contacting you guys together um but you know what schools are you hearing from most and uh where you know where does texas stand among those schools contacting you oh i mean texas is definitely up there i mean i'd say right now just my top five besides uh clemson i mean clemson is texting me but uh I mean, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to go there if James doesn't have the offer. So, um, I mean, I'd say, like, I mean, not in order. Alabama, Texas, Auburn, LSU are definitely contacting me the most right now, 100%. Is there any one of them, uh, Tommy, or uh, – and I'll ask James the same question after Tommy. Is there any one of them doing anything special to differentiate themselves, anything? Like, it's, it's, hard, yes. to, it's hard to do anything because – you know, all you basically have is FaceTime and Zoom and all these things. But, like, yeah. I know some schools have done virtual in-homes and virtual visits and things like that. Have any of those schools done anything special to differentiate themselves? Yes. Uh, 
both Texas and Alabama have gone on Zoom with us and are like, like we're basically going through like they're teaching us like a lot like like offensive lineman stuff like like Texas and but like they'll both like go one on one with me and James and like talk just talk straight football with us and teach us some stuff that we didn't know before and teach us like their calls that they make like during games and stuff and so I mean that 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 definitely stands out to me. Uh, James, same question for you. If there's anything different you'd like to add. Yeah, I mean, Alabama, Texas, probably spend the most time on Zoom with just going through actual football and, you know, what they – like watch, watching film and cut-ups and stuff, you know, just protection and, you know, inside zone, outside zone, stuff like that. And just getting – just kind of learning what, how they do things, which has been really cool. And, he, you know, learned a lot. Um, I, you know, you guys – Tommy kind of alluded to it. James didn't have the Clemson offer. So, a lot of package deal talk has been thrown around. But you guys are part of another package deal with uh, – uh, was it Speedy? Speedy Flowers? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you guys got to know how crazy that whole thing drove us as reporters um, who are constantly <laughs> looking for offers. Um, how, uh, how bored do you think we all were to, uh, to have to go through that last week? <laughs> yeah, that was – that was pretty uh, funny because I just tweeted the picture out, like the little edit, and it got like, like almost fifteen hundred likes on, it, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like it's just a stupid little edit with Speedy. <laughs> well, he, he committed to Michigan State, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I so guess, I guess the package deal is over. <laughs> uh, did you guys get to watch um, any of the? Uh, have you been interested in the Jordan documentary that came on last night? Yeah, I watched. Yeah, we watched. So what if I mean I know you guys uh, you guys are football guys those are basketball guys what do you I'm interested to see what you guys take away from from Jordan just because I know you guys didn't grow up with him the way I did but what do you take away from from kind of watching that Tommy I'll start with you and then James after that I mean just how competitive he is and like he you can tell like from the documentary he literally cannot stand to lose like. Like, his coach is, like, one of them to lose the game, just, like, to get a better draft pick. And, like, he couldn't even, like – like, he just got so angry about that. And I think, like, you can take away just, like, how he approaches the game. And, like, he doesn't do any drugs. Like, he doesn't drink at all. Like, he, he's just so prepared for everything. And, I mean, that's such a great thing to just take away from him, just this competitive spirit. James? Yeah, I mean, I mean just – this whole demeanor about everything, I feel it's kind of, you know, a lost art nowadays in professional sports, I think. But, I mean, he didn't, he didn't make his, you know, varsity basketball team as a sophomore. And, you know, he, he promised, you know, he's just going to work, work, work crazy hard and he's going to prove everyone wrong. And then, I mean, like, even when he got to college, he wasn't the best player on the team, like, when he got there. And he's, you know, just worked outworked everyone and, you know, can they get the best player ever? Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing about Jordan is that I just always – he's a psychotic competitor. Like, it's almost a dangerous level of, of wanting to win. Like, and it's, <laughs> there, there haven't been a lot of guys like that other than Kobe maybe after him. So, um, I was just, I'm just interested to see because I see on Twitter a lot of the younger generation is, is interested in devaluing Jordan for the sake of LeBron James, and that always bothers me as a guy who grew up with, with Jordan. But uh, – um, I guess, you know, as we come down the stretch here, you guys have both kind of said, um, 
you know, we've seen these schools. I don't necessarily have to take officials to make my decision. James, I'll start with you. What's, um, what are, what are going to be those key factors that go into your final decision? I mean, I don't know, probably, probably laying everything out on the table, you know, just comparing, you know, pros and cons of each school and, I don't know, seeing, you know, what, what outweighs each other. And, I mean, just kind of probably just come down to, you know, what's the most important things that, you know, we're considering and then just making a decision off of that. Is there anything specifically that, like, when you say what are the most important things, is there one or two things you're like, I got to have that? I mean, probably just history, you know, developing players, you know, on and off the field is definitely super important, you know. I mean, you know, some guys – you know, don't come in as, you know, the best player, you know, that you can leave, like, first-round draft pick. So, then uh, probably just – I mean, the co- the coaching staff, I mean, you want to have a coach who's – but, I mean, at the same time, there's no guarantee that, you know, your coach is going to be there. So, you got to take in other factors, just like, yeah. you know, the win- yeah. like the winning winning tradition that, you know, schools had, you know, national championships and stuff like that. And, you know uh, – I don't know, you want to be around good players, too, so you'll have a shot at winning, you know. All right, Tommy, what about you? I mean, I would say I mean, exactly the same thing that James was saying, just be surrounded by a place that has a history of developing alignment. I mean, a good culture, a good strength program, good coaches and all that stuff, good players around you. Okay. Um, I know that – you know, a lot has been made about your family legacy at Texas and things like that. You guys have made it very clear to me that while that's a big part of your life, you, you, you really want to go make your own path and, and do your own thing. Do you think, I mean, does, does harping on that, hey, your dad played there, your brother plays there, your grandpa went there, does that hurt Texas in any way almost? Does it get a little old at times? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it hurts. I mean, I try to just think, you know, it doesn't have an impact on recruiting, but, I mean, at the same time, you're always – I mean, you can still think about it in the back of your head, just kind of notice you know, the legacy and stuff of it. But I mean, yeah. I'd say it definitely, it definitely doesn't hurt him. Yeah. Same, Tommy. Okay. Um, well, I guess last thing for me is uh, what's on the agenda for today. What do you guys got workout-wise? Uh, probably going to lift, and then I think we're going to go run oh, today too. We're going to run yeah. today. Oh, before I get out of here, I got to give a shout out to uh, Coach Beck, All Saints uh, High School, one of my favorite coaches, favorite programs. Um, you guys looked great last year until everybody on the team got hurt, including you, Tommy. Um, yeah. Everybody's coming back healthy this year. Do we feel maybe a state championship coming back to Fort Worth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. You know, we got Emily picked up, big player, and, you know, Monte. So I think Monte, that's going to help yeah. a lot. Then Tommy, Tommy's coming back, obviously, and Ham, Hampton's mm-hmm. going to be healthy. So, yeah. All right. Awesome, Tommy. When are you? Uh, when are, is there like a date where you're going to be like officially clear for everything? Or are you already? I mean, I, I'm, I've been officially cleared for about two months. So if like if we weren't going through this pandemic and you were in in school, you would be doing um, yeah. like you'd be in spring ball right now. Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate you uh, taking taking a little bit of time to join me today. Always fun to catch up with y'all. Uh, you guys have always been great to me, so I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, the whole nation, or at least the whole state of Texas, will probably be tuned in for your decision. Um, and so uh, thanks for previewing it with me. Yeah, you got it. All right. Thank thanks. you so much. 
And a big thank you to Tommy and James Rockermeyer for taking some time out of their day to sit down and talk with us. All right, Nick, before we get out of here, uh, it was a somewhat big week uh, of recruiting news and movement um, here uh, at Horns 24-7. Uh, some bad news breaking in the way of, of JoJo Earl uh, committing to LSU during the week and really kind of something that came out of nowhere. And I'll try to to lay it out as, be- as best as I can. I, I think it was maybe Tuesday. I... Uh, I I'd finished, I'd done a long chat and told my wife, all right, I'm going to shut down my computer. And unless anything crazy happens, I'm done for the night. And uh, that like literally an hour later, I saw that JoJo had tweeted that he had made his decision and um, started calling around. Initially heard some OU buzz and figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be Oklahoma. And then really started hearing some strong TCU buzz. And there was somebody who told me, hey, watch out for LSU here. And I discounted it off the top because... A, I saw JoJo Earl, if you'll remember, right before the COVID shutdown. Um, I went out to Alito that week and, and interviewed him, and he had told me at that time that LSU wasn't in the picture. He wasn't talking to them at all, and um, you know he and so I and he had never visited there. So I thought, that's nah, no way it's LSU, and um, so I was pretty sure it was TCU. I didn't think it was Texas. There wasn't enough confidence on that end, um, but TCU was pretty confident. And then you know, kind of as we went on, our, our LSU site uh, figured out on their end that there was a lot of confidence. And so talking to those guys and and seeing what happened, it sounds like LSU really reengaged hard when uh, when Byron Allen, uh, I'm sorry, Brian Allen uh, committed earlier. I guess a month ago or so, and um, they've really been all over JoJo. And despite never visiting, which is kind of outside of, of JoJo's character because he's been really careful and, and meticulous about the way he's approached this recruiting process, uh, he committed sight unseen, which I guess is is how you could do it if you're the national champions and you have a video game offense you're coming off of um, and all those things. So uh, JoJo Earl committed actually Thursday or today as we're recording this uh, to LSU right before the draft, and um, that's a big blow for Texas because he was one of the biggest targets on their board. I, I, I don't think they're done with him yet. I'm, I'm not going to say they're out of the race for him, but certainly makes it much harder to get yeah, if you ask me a year ago, I say JoJo is probably one of the more surefire guys in this 2021 class that I think Texas has the best chance at. Uh, but kind of seeing over the season how that kind of changed and other schools that started getting started to get involved, and then he released a top five back in January that didn't have Texas in uh, in the list. Uh, but he did take that visit right before the shutdown, and you know it's, it seemed that Texas got back in the picture with uh, with JoJo. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what you get when you're the uh, former national champions. You get kids that commit without you know taking a visit. Um, but you know maybe he gets on campus and visits during the Texas game, and uh, you know the Texas 2021 season performance. Uh, I, I think that could definitely s- uh, swing JoJo's way. Um, and I, I still think there's a lot of room in this uh, recruitment to catch up on. I don't think it's a done deal at all. I know there's some discouragement on the Texas side. They just feel they're hamstrung a little bit with this coronavirus thing, and um, with it, with being a new staff and, and not really being able to show much or or be allowed to get a lot of kids on campus during the spring, it's really kind of hurting them in some ways. It's it's helping in a lot in a few ways, but it's also hurting them in some ways. And and I think they definitely, you know, the first person I reached out to um, in Austin when I heard said you know what he said i don't know that we're necessarily out of it but we'd have loved a lot more time in this recruitment and so um i think that's where texas stands um i was told their eyes are still on chojo they will still continue to pursue him so we'll see how how things go throughout the year um 
An interesting story broke this week, earlier this week, while I was in the middle of recording a podcast. And Nick, it's something you and I have been tracking very quietly behind the scenes uh, for a couple of weeks. And that's Baylor signee uh, Jade Barron asking out of his national letter of intent, getting a release, um, and and basically being back on the market. Now, um, Nick, when I met you, you were basically a huge fan of this kid. I hadn't seen much of him, and so I, you know, talking to you, I, I kind of did some investigating and, and really liked what I saw of him on the film. And, um, you know, I think that when Texas came in, the, the new staff, I think that if they'd had a little more time or if Jody had not signed during the early signing period, they would have likely offered him and pursued him into February. And, and I think at that point might have got him. But, um, you know, right, he, he ended up making the decision to sign. And uh, it seemed like he was off the board. But we heard a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned to you, hey, this is something we need to start monitoring, start checking around on. And, uh, you know, since that time, he, he did ask out. As of, I haven't talked to anybody today about it, but as of right now, or, or as of the last time I checked, uh, he had not received his release yet. He was expected to, but had not received the official release yet. So Texas cannot be in contact with him until he receives that release. Um, I am told that uh, once he receives that release, Texas is fully intent on pursuing him. And um, Nick, I think you can probably talk from his perspective. It sounds like he's got a lot of interest in Texas as well. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, I came from the Baylor 24-7 site uh, in February uh, to the Texas site. So I know Jade pretty well, and he was my favorite kid in that 2020 signing class for uh, Baylor. Um, he, he can get it done uh, at corner safety, and he's a threat in the return game as well. He had a couple of punt return touchdowns last year and a kick return touchdown for a Pflugerville Connolly team that isn't that impressive. Um, I went out and saw them a couple of times last year, and he was clearly the best player on the field uh, both times. Um, he, he can just get it done, and uh, he's a kid with a uh, Mamba mentality in a way. He, he's he's a lockdown corner. Um, but the first time I did meet him, or excuse me, the last time I met him was the um, uh, his last high school game. And afterward, I was just kind of talking with him, and I asked I asked him if I could take a picture, and, you know, throw up the bear claw. And he was like, uh, I don't really know if I'm going to end up at Baylor. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, you know, we need to talk more on that. And we talked more on it. And that's where I first got uh, a hint that, you know, he was interested in Texas. And um, now kind of looking at it, it's uh, I always felt like he wouldn't end up at Baylor. I just wouldn't have bet on it being this late in the game uh, to where he would back out of his uh, letter of intent. Um, he was kind of hesitant around the early signing period on signing, but he did sign the day after the uh, early signing day. Um, and then after the uh, staff change, when uh, Coach David Aranda came in, uh, he also seemed a little hesitant then, but uh, uh, reaffirmed with me that, you know, he's ready to go with this new coaching staff and is ready to get on campus and meet them. And he was able to. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Baylor staff, they said that this is a 100% mutual uh, split between them and uh, Jade Barone. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to release him from uh, his letter of intent instead of him having to go through the transfer portal and possibly missing a year. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of see how this plays out. Uh, this is definitely a developing situation that you'll definitely want to keep an eye on here in the next week or so. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it potentially a huge addition for Texas. Late in the in the cycle, you know, after really looking at, at him, I thought he, he rivaled kind of Keaton Crawford for my top corner in the state. Um, I thought that both those guys. So adding him to a one-corner class and getting him in there with, with Keaton Crawford would be a nice boost to the 2020 class. Timing's going to be a little weird on this. Um, so he can't sign another letter of intent. He basically just has to enroll. Um, I think Texas would preferably like him to enroll in June, which means he's basically got a what a, a month and a couple days um, to, to figure everything out. Uh, obviously, with 
this coronavirus shutdown, he's not going to be able to take visits. So I think, you know, if he's as serious as we hear he is about Texas and Texas is as serious as we hear they are about him, this thing's going to move pretty fast and, and probably get done pretty quickly. So uh, watch out for that. We'll be all over it over at Horns 24-7, and uh, Nick and I will have you covered. Nick, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, not much. Just ready to finish this draft here over the next couple of days. Yeah, at least it gives us something to do and talk about. It flows right into the the next uh, episodes of the Last Dance, so that'll be uh, that'll be good uh, good over there. And Nick, I, I am curious. I will let's talk a little Last Dance before we get out of here. All right, <laughs> uh, um, you are a basketball historian of sorts, but you and I argue all the time because you and your younger generation are obsessed with discrediting Jordan to say that he played with plumbers and um, and accountants and things like that, and that he could never do what LeBron does. Have you gained any sort of uh, more appreciation for Jordan after watching the first couple episodes? Let me say this. I've never discredited Jordan. I've just always credited LeBron more. You know, I think the level of talent that Jordan played with back in his time was, you know, elite. I think a lot of those players could be all-stars in the NBA today. But um, I just personally think LeBron is a better basketball player. I, I still believe that right now. I've done a lot of his history research on uh, Michael Jordan and the game of basketball. You know, arguably basketball is my favorite sport. So I've dove, I've dove into the NBA uh, uh, quite a lot. And um, unless these next eight episodes change my mind completely, uh, my list is unchanging. It goes one Kareem, two LeBron, three Michael Jordan. Wow. Um, okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> do you, you do realize, like, in, he, he did what he did in a league where literally they could get away with, like, punching you in the face on your way to the rim. And today's rules, Jordan would score, like, 40 a game. Yeah, I understand that, but so does James Harden. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well... We'll see. We'll, we'll just keep coming back to this question. and, and This will be a developing topic, 100%. I'll, t- I'll tell you this, and I hope you, I hope you guys get appreciation for this. It's one thing I always loved about Jordan when I was growing up, and, and you could see it in the documentary. There's no more – I don't think there's ever been a, a more psychotic competitor than Michael Jordan. Like there's nobody who's wanted to win more than him. At, at any level, and um, you know, I know that I, I laughed when uh, when I think a quote came out from the thing where Jordan said, I, "You know, this is going to make me look like an asshole." And his, his son quoted it and said, "Dad always said there's a you know a price to pay for winning," um, and that's true. Like he, yeah, he may be an asshole, but that dude wanted to win more than anybody in the world. It's the basis of my argument against LeBron that if Jason Terry had said the things that he said to LeBron and Michael Jordan, Jordan would have ruined his life and ran him out of the league. Um, All those sorts of things. But uh, at least you can get an appreciation for that, right? Yeah, I I understand that. He's probably definitely the most competitive athlete of all time. I also like to look at J.J. Watt as one of the most competitive athletes of all time. So I I put them in a class of their own. But also kind of something I discredited about Michael Jordan is that he always had Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman for all of his rings, you know, and you know, no, I, LeBron no, hasn't Nick, had that. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? We're, first of all, he didn't have Dennis Rodman for all of his rings. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there was, there was two of them. He didn't have Dennis. Uh, no, there were like three of them. I think was Dennis two came. or three? You no, talk and I'll, I'll search it up really quick. Dennis, I think, came along after baseball. Um, and I can't remember if he came the year, like if he was there for the second set of three or if he was just there for two of the three. But he came along after Jordan had already won three. Yeah, um, he was there for the second three, Pete. That's right. Okay. Okay. So 
No. And the, the second thing is, is people always use that argument. Like, it's not like they drafted that team. I mean, they signed Rodman, but they drafted Scottie Pippen. So, like, does, do they not get credit for just building? Like, I will not hear arguments about LeBron's supporting cast because in most cases LeBron has been the de facto GM of his own team and he's run people on and off of his rosters and he can do what he wants to do and he got to play all those years with Wade and Bosh and I will not hear arguments about this I will say the that second episode I think is where they highlighted that series against Boston in the 80s LeBron would have won that series what do you mean LeBron would have won that series? Jordan LeBron was going off for like series. 63 a game. What, like LeBron what more, would have figured it out. Like what he did more it could in he 06. Have, what more could he have done against the one of the greatest teams ever? All right, Nick, we're going to have to talk about this in, in following weeks. I this will is not, definitely a developing topic. I will not allow this Jordan slander on my podcast. Um, all right. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, thanks, everybody, for – uh, for you know, following up. Sorry, we didn't do questions this week. Part of that's my fault. I just kind of forgot, and we had a lot, lot going on this week. So um, you know, it just kind of slipped my mind. But I uh, feel like we had a pretty full show for you guys tonight. So uh, we we appreciate everybody for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. You can find us on every uh, podcast platform you can think of, and tell your friends about us because we'd like to have more listeners. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.